0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fitness Tips with Dan Guest. How are you doing, Dan? I'm alright, thank you very much. So in our first video, which if you missed it is linked down below, we talked about the off-season mm-hmm. and what the off-season is and why it's so important. And we're back with another load of interesting topics, which definitely apply to winter riding and Christmas around the corner, hence the mince pies on the plate in front of us. Very tempting. Um, so we got quite a few questions on that last video, which we're going to tackle as well. But first, Dan, i gonna put you on the spot because you talked about the RAFA Festive 500 in that yep. last video, which caused a bit of reaction. Some people agreed with your viewpoint yep. and some people disagreed and said it's the highlight of the year. Mm-hmm. So with the Festive 500 starting in just a matter of a few days, what advice can you give to somebody who is determined to do it
1: rain or shine? Mm, the, f- the start of Festive 500 ambush, Dave, I like that. <laughs> OK, well, we've done some maths on this, haven't we? We have, yes. And, um, I mean, if you take the festival hundred over the full period that you're allowed to do it, that's what, sixty-two Ks a day-ish, we said it works out it's forty miles a day. I mean that's not excessive. Even for someone who's not done a great deal of sort of beat-up training before mm-hmm. that, that's not excessive. And I think, you know, if you say 40 miles a day, nice and steady, you know, between two and two and three quarter hours, just just sort of ticking along. Maybe pick a route that's a flat route that's got it, yeah. um, so you can get them ticked off quickly. I think that's totally doable um, without necessarily creating a massive amount of training stress and overload. So I will back a bit, back off a little <laughs> bit on what I said the last time. The problem is, I think, um, with the Festival 100 is that it's, it's fine to say it's 40 miles a day for eight days, but you add in then days that are you're with your family or days that you, uh, you can't ride because of the weather, mm. Uh, or any other commitments, and then more often than not, you'll find that it ends up being a couple of hundred mile rides, which you know is fine if you've got the condition for it. But as we said in the last video, it's cold, it's wet, it's dark, it's training stress from those factors as well as just the miles as well. I mean, if you've got if you've got the condition, as we've said, then it's no problem. And if yeah. if you enjoy it, I mean, fundamentally, what's what are we what are what are we cyclists for? Because we enjoy being on our bikes. If you enjoy being on your bike get out on your bike and do it, it's fine.
0: I guess that's the best thing about the Festive 500. It's a goal, a motivation yeah. for people yeah. to ride at a time of year when um, the temptation to sit on the sofa and watch TV yeah. is pretty uh, compelling.
1: I, I mean, as a coach, I my biggest bugbear is recovery. People don't give themselves time to okay. recover. And I think we'll probably get to a bit of this later on okay. in the video. Um, and if you just relentlessly push on through the Christmas period with, the, with a level of training stress that potentially you're not used to, with Level of dietary stress that you're potentially not used to, <laughs> um, and booze as well, plays a, a has a big impact on your body's ability to cope with training stress. Then, you know, there's a lot of other confounding factors at play, which you you just need to take into account when you when you put yourself through this. Yeah, but you know, as it stands, you know, forty miles a day for eight days isn't too bad. Okay, yeah. So I will renege on that a little bit. So,
0: <laughs> Dan's fine when you're doing it, just be sensible, I guess, this is the Precisely and that. Allow yeah. time for recovery. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there'll be people watching this doing it in one day, living somewhere sunny, but here in the UK, yeah. the uh, weather is a factor, so be sensible, mm-hmm. choose a flat route, you know, go by the weather forecast if you can, yeah.
1: to maybe increase the distance on
0: a day when it can be nicer, yeah. sunny, Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Short yeah. day when it's raining.
1: Yeah. And, and if it's icy, maybe think about doing it on a yeah. turbo.
0: And if you don't succeed, it's not the end of the world. Correct. And how many mince pies is it okay to eat during the Feta 500 or a typical <laughs> ride? <laughs> Since we've got a few, it's only five, one's gone missing really.
1: Yeah, and uh, we're not responsible for that. Um, <laughs> how many mince pies is it okay to eat? Oh, that's an that's a on-the-spot question as well. <laughs> to be honest, actually, I think the best the best Christmas food for riding would be uh, Christmas cake. Okay. Because yeah. it's really calorie-dense. Yeah. easy to wrap, and, wrap up and put it in your pocket, yeah. and you can eat it while you're out on your bike. Um, I mean, what? Wh- how many calories in a mince pie do we say...
0: 200? 200. 220
1: of these. All right, so we did a really hard turbo session, then you should burn four, four mince pies off in an, in an hour, but I don't suggest that's the right thing to do. I Actually, on a serious coaching point, um, and especially as you get older, because we talked about this in the off-camera, yeah, you can't outride a bad diet. It gets harder to outride a bad okay. diet as you get older. And I a diet
0: know. at this time of year can be terrible,
1: well, personally speaking. It can be, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, if you don't need mince pies, don't eat mince pies. Okay. It's, I mean, it's Christmas, isn't it? If you want to have a mince pie, have a mince pie and yeah. just go out and ride your bike. Just, I mean, we talked about this in the last video as well. Yeah, okay. Don't worry about it too much yeah. this time of year. Just don't put on 10 kilos. Don't go crazy. Yeah.
0: And you can focus on uh, weight loss and diet properly in the new year. Mm. Okay, we're all out, out of the way. Um, let's move on to some more uh, other topics. So, the FETA 500 is all about riding outside, but I know you can do it indoors. And we had a question uh, in the last video about indoor versus outdoor. Um, some people who love riding outdoors regardless mm-hmm. of whether they can't face indoor training. So what's your advice for people who are determined to ride outside this time of year?
1: I, I mean, I think that's to say determined to ride outside. I think if you can ride outside, you should ride outside. OK. I mean, there's, it's, the turbo is not much fun. No. Even with Zwift, even with you know the, the sort of gaming aspect of it, it's not a, a whole heap of fun. So try and get out if you can. It's fresh air. It's yeah. you know it's good for you. Um, what what can we do in terms of improving safety for winter riding, bike safety? I mean, we're going to need to go to the kitchen and get a bigger tin opener for this kind <laughs> of worms. I reckon, aren't we? Um, I let's, I'm going to talk about this from my own personal point of yep. view, and then people can take or leave that advice. As they see fit, and hopefully you'll chip in with some things that you think as well. And my, the primary thing for me, um, for any riding, be it winter riding or summer riding, is making your own luck. Okay. Okay. And um, okay. What do I mean by making your own luck? Um, I would say, in terms of road selection, uh, time of day you ride, what weather you choose to ride in, um, what you choose to wear. Um, the, the subject of high-vis clothing. I mean, I don't wear high-vis clothing because I normally wear team kit or club kit. Should people wear high-vis clothing? They shouldn't have to. Drivers should be paying attention, you know. But unfortunately, there are so many distractions in modern cars yeah. and with phones and stuff that I think people aren't paying as much attention as they used to. It's a kind of serious point. But um, my... My mitigation for that is lights. I have lights on my bike, yeah, and sure. pretty much run with rear a rear light all year round. Yeah, I think that you can see a rear light further away than necessarily high vis clothing. And to be honest, the, the high vis stuff I've never found clothing that suits the way I want to ride. Mm. I, they've always been too hot, or too baggy. They don't fit right. I'm sure there'll be a zillion points of view on this okay, and whether we should be wrapping up like Christmas trees or not. Entirely up to you. I when you drive your car and most people who watch your videos I'm sure are drivers as well see what you see on the road and see what you think is visible and I think when I drive I think lights are visible I think I see lights um before I see any bright clothing that people wear especially if there's good backlight I also think things that move are quite good so if you wear like luminous overshoes they're quite prominent yeah. aren't they because they sort yeah. of they, up and down, they're yeah. a weird motion that yeah. is not natural yeah and um Personally, I've never bought a helmet that's not white, because I think white is really highly visible, and I ride motorbikes as well, and I've always had white helmets for that too. Um, You know, I think that road safety is your responsibility as a cyclist, and that's what I mean by making your own luck with that. Um, Talking about clothing, uh, when you go out in the winter, you you've done your video on clothing about staying warm and dry and i mean that's the most important thing if you are warm dry and comfortable i think you're going to make a better decision about any situation you might find yourself in yeah. uh, if you're freezing cold and shaking and and you've got no dexterity in your hands and your feet are like blocks of ice then you're never going to make solid sound decisions and what makes that what gets even worse in that situation is if you have a mechanical problem. Okay, yeah. or you're with a group ride and someone has a puncture and you're cold already and then you get even colder and um, and that's not ideal. Uh, and then that sort of brings me around, me around to the final point I was going to make and your bike maintenance. Um, winter's really hard, not only on you and your body but also on your bike so it's really, really worth taking the extra time to just look after your bike. I mean, at the end of the day, you might, even in the winter you still might plummet downhill on this thing at miles an hour oh. if the road conditions are okay then you need to know it's gonna look after you. So you can look after it first, and I think that pre-ride and post-ride checks, yeah, it might sound boring, take time, but really important. I mean, if I come back from a bike ride and the bike's filthy, I will wash it, um, stick it in the workstand, stick a bit of oil on it, but just check it over, you know, check the tires over. There are loads of little bits of flint this time of year that can embed in your tire, um, and they'll just work their way in over the course of a bike ride. But actually, if it's if you've picked it up and it's not punctured your tyre, you can dig it out when you get home. And if there's a little tear in a tyre, it's actually really quite easy to just fix it with super glue. That's quite a good, quick fix. Um, but what it means is that the next time you go out, that's not working its way further and further in, and so you puncture. And you know, that's, it all ties into standing at the side of the road getting cold and wet and miserable, trying to fix your bike with ice cold fingers. I'm sure everyone's done that. Try not to do that. So. There's all sorts of little tips and tricks you can do, I think, pre- and post-ride just to just to maintain your bike and ensure that when you go out, it's as fit for purpose as possible, and so are you with what you're wearing.
0: I guess that's a, the big challenge with winter riding. is a lot more preparation, a lot more faff involved yeah. compared to riding in summer where you've got a jersey, bib shorts, and the bike's all clean. You make sure the bike's in good order, uh, pre- and post-bike ride. Mm-hmm. you got to make sure you select the right clothing for your conditions and uh, you know, you're well fueled yourself and you're not tired, so there's a lot of things you need, quite a checklist of things to go yeah, through to yeah. make sure you can go out. So if you are determined to ride outside this time of year, you have to
1: be organised, I guess. And Very much so. Often the biggest hurdle to a bike ride is just getting dressed. Oh yeah, it can take me ages sometimes. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you think, if you're umming and ahhing about going out on your bike, you looking at the weather going, oh, maybe not. Yeah. Actually, if you just put your kit on and go, Generally, it's all right, Um, but yeah, putting your kit on and going is that hurdle. But you're right, you know, lay your kit out so you're not like I. I run from one end of the house to the other trying to find my top, my clothes, (laughs) stuff. I've just just like heart rate monitor. Where? Who knows where that is? Actually, only my wife knows where my heart rate monitor is. (laughs) Hidden in the bathroom somewhere. I have no idea. But yeah, the faff factor is off the scale in the winter. Um, And if you if you want to go out on the road, and I think that's you know get out on the road. It's important, but just make sure you don't put any little extra hurdles in yeah. the way that don't need to be.
0: I always find my time of ride at the time of years, uh, you know, I have very few opportunities to ride around work and have a commitment. So you might have an hour or two here and you want to maximize that hour or two on a bike and not yeah. spend half it finding your heart rate monitor <laughs> yeah. or your overshoes. And I spend like half time like going outside, Oh, too cold, too warm, go back inside. Get... Yeah. So I guess experience is a big factor here as mm-hmm. well, isn't it? which you know, get better with time obviously, but, being as organised as possible and trying to make sure you get everything ready the like night before, perhaps for a ride. So you yeah, get yeah. dressed, get out there, and it's that's where indoor training is so appealing. Because you get on the bike and you go. There's no, not a faff, is there?
1: Yeah, you can be done in seconds. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, not everyone wants to do that, and I totally get that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So making your own luck is the, uh, the takeaway then. Just be organised, yeah. be prepared. Um, if you are training indoors, what sort of session can you advise for this time of year? What's the best sort of? Uh, a short intense or long sweet spot steady sort of session what's the best approach this time of year
1: for this time of year for a road rider I would say you're still in the period of time as we discussed with the off season where you kind of don't need to be putting yourself through that mental mill quite okay. so much um, as a as a cross rider this is the savage time of year for me um, and and that actually that's one of the reasons i race cross is because i do hard sessions and hard racing when it's when the weather's appropriate using the turbo um but i mean long steady miles in the turbo are deathly boring aren't they we kind of discussed this last time mm-hmm. it's, it's netflix time and a and bung a or cross watching cycle cross yeah. or cycling on a telly whatever and you you bung something on and do something steady um there are various schools of thought about whether you should be doing that middle ground tempo and sweet spot work. Personally, I think it's really good. It works for me, and I think it works for a lot of other people as well. Um, other schools of thought talk about polarized training. So you do you do, do hard sessions, really hard sessions and really easy sessions. I just don't think that mentally it's sustainable throughout the year. And I think that you just, and we discussed this, just need to take that break and just remember why you ride your bike and enjoy riding your bike. If the weather's good, get out. If it's not good, then you know, take over on the turbo. But don't you don't necessarily need to go it meet you on the river on the turbo. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, but there, there are some good uh, packages of winter based training on uh, Zwift and Trainer Road and things like that. Uh, but a lot of those you'll find that it, it's quite an extended periods. Zone two, zone two up to the bottom and the tempo. And some cadence work and and bits and bobs like that, but it's whatever whatever way you cut it, it's going to be boring time on the turbo, and actually pretty uncomfortable as well because you sit at zone two and it just the turbo tends to sort of make things hurt Mm. um, because you don't move around as much as you would on the road. And there's no when you're actually doing intervals on the turbo and there's a bit more effort, it kind of makes you shuffle about a little bit and and you don't quite so many sort of pressure points, but. Yeah, it's, group rides on Zwift are quite good actually. Okay. Some of them can be too hard, and we spoke about racing on Zwift last time. If you do get to a group ride and it's a really hard group ride, that's fine, but just remember that there's a bit of recovery that's needed after that. Yeah. Um, And it's the recovery that's important. Mm. You know, if you just keep hammering on at the same level, and you don't give yourself time to recover, then you're either going to make yourself ill, or injure yourself, or you're just never gonna improve. Yeah. And it might not be that people want to improve, they, and you know, they can just keep doing what they're doing, but you just need to take time to recover, whether it's in the week or a week at, at this time of year, whatever.
0: If you have got like an hour or two spare on indoor training, are you better doing a structured session where you're riding in a control, like zone two, as you mentioned, or mm-hmm. doing a group ride or even a race? Or does it depend on your goals? Like if you are trying to train, or if you're just riding for enjoyment and any exercise is better than no exercise? It
1: absolutely depends on your goals. Okay. I mean, I think we should have caveated the whole of, of our discussions with whatever yeah. you know is dependent on your goals. If your goal is to ride further and ride faster, then structured sessions are key. If your goal is just to do some general exercise, then who cares what you do? As long as you're riding your bike, yeah. it's good. If your goal is to not be bored on the turbo, get out on the road. Um, yeah, it, it, it's very goal-specific, very goal-specific. Mm. I
0: guess no, the purpose of the video is hopefully you'll take something away from this video, like a few tips here and there, rather than, because it's difficult to give advice to everybody, because everybody, everybody's yeah. goals, and mm-hmm. what the reason they ride a bike is so different. Yeah. Whether you're a leisure cyclist, or commuting, or you are uh, road racing or cross mm-hmm. racing. So hopefully there's something here for everybody in, yeah. in amongst it all. But a lot of it does, you know, a lot of it's sort of transferable, isn't there? and that's some good basic sort of fundamental lesson that everybody can learn, regardless how, what level you're at
1: yeah I think so I think so I think you know you just need to enjoy riding your bike and for me personally the reason I race cross is because it's convenient for high intensity training at this time of year so that when the weather's nice in the summer I can do what I primarily do this for and that's to enjoy riding my bike yeah I mean the fitness I get from training on the turbo now at this time of year means that come the summer arguably I can do whatever I want okay Uh, and even though I don't get I personally don't get a lot of base miles in over this period. Actually, the intensity of stuff that I put in over this period means that come you know, my off season or just post my off season, I can put in, you know, like I did the uh, a ride to melton Mowbray to get a pork pie, and that was a 250 mile <laughs> round trip. And that's the sort of thing that shouldn't phase you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I train because I, I enjoy racing. If I'd give up riding my bike or racing, I'd give up racing because I like riding my bike. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know you can use a lot of training time this time of year if you want to make sure that your summer is as comfortable as possible. And why not want to ride a bit further yeah. or a bit faster or whatever you want?
0: I can definitely relate to that. That's the only reason I ride a bike during the winter so I can be reasonably fit in the summer to do mm. whatever adventures you might have planned, whether a bikepacking trip or a long ride or a race yeah, or yeah. A sportive. So I guess it's finding whatever motivates you. I think hopefully a lot of people at home can relate to that as well. Like mm. Summer fitness, what it's all about, especially here in the UK, make the most of those few months you've got do good rides, events, yep. and do as much training as you can. I mean, I call it training, but.
1: Winter miles, summer miles. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, if you're training indoors or outdoors mm-hmm. at a time of year, how should you track your riding and training? Should you buy an expensive power meter, a heart rate monitor, or just ride a field? What's the, the best approach?
1: We're going to go back to knowing what you want it for, okay. or know what you want to achieve from your riding. Um,
0: because power meters are a lot more affordable these days and lots of people probably using indoor trainers are more um familiar with power a lot more understanding generally of power and a lot of people might think you have to buy a power
1: meter to get any sort of real training benefits definitely not okay (laughs) definitely not i mean if you have a power meter on your bike it's it's just for me cycling is about simplicity right a bike's a bike you just get on a pedal thing and it and, and you enjoy what you do um you start to add more and more electronic accoutrements to that, and it becomes a, oh, power meter's not working. Oh, my Garmin's not working. Oh, the lights aren't charged up. You're adding more and more hurdles, as we talked about with okay. winter riding kit. So a power meter, they're amazing if you want to train to get faster, if you want to train to race. It is the best solution that we've got at the moment. And, you know, far from that era of when you could buy an SRM crankset for three and a half thousand pounds, it would down to a few hundred quid for... a relatively Mm. accurate power meter Um, so they're not as expensive as they used to be so they're more accessible and I do agree that a lot more people are using smart trainers so they're seeing the power numbers on the screen so they have a more of an appreciation of um, the power that they're pushing out Um, personally again because we can't say for everybody so I'm gonna say what I do I I train on the turbo in the winter and I use the power meter on the turbo, I have got bikes with power meters on, but when I ride on the road in the winter, I ride without a power meter. Okay, so it's just using power indoors, indoors. and outside
0: you're not using power not at all. At all.
1: Um, if I mean, it's great if you want to train on the road, um, you need a power meter train on the road if you want to race. Yeah. If you don't want to race, and... That's not your primary goal and you just want to ride a bit further and a bit faster in a long audax or a long ride or a club ride, then arguably you can just use a use a heart rate monitor. It's yeah. a kind of 85 90 percent solution. there are, there are uh, a nuances to heart rate power, heart rate training and power training which make a difference. I mean the power meter is instant you're going yeah. to get an instant readout. Your heart rate is always going to lag behind an yeah. effort. Um, so if you're doing, if you're trying to do tabata efforts or high intensity interval training where you're doing 30 seconds on 30 seconds off then a power meter is critical a heart rate monitor is just never going to cut it because by the time you finish that initial 30 second sprint your heart rate's just about recovering and responding yeah. but actually you can do a, a pretty good amount of training by doing long fairly hard intervals at a threshold sweet spot level intervals and accumulating a lot of time in that zone and that th- that sort of zone if you're doing 10, 15, 20-minute intervals, well, it doesn't matter that your heart rate is going to take 30 seconds to come up to the right point because it's going to be there or thereabouts um, throughout the interval. Heart rate is dependent on lots of things, though. How much coffee you drink, whether you're hydrated or not, how hot you are, and that's particularly relevant on the turbo. um, And you will get something called cardiac drift. So, for example, if you're at 150 beats a minute at 200 watts at the start of your exercise and you're looking at, at your um, heart rate and you keep it at 150 beats a minute your power will fall and your heart rate will stay the same your body is capable of doing 200 watts but if you're just tracking heart rate you know because you're getting hotter and more tired then your power is dropping as you keep that heart rate the same if you train with power you sit at 200 watts and your heart rate will gradually climb over time not a great deal so there's not a huge amount of difference but there's enough difference that if you really want to make the most of your training, absolutely, like the final few percent, then the power meter's the thing to have. Um, yeah, so there are there's sort of confounding factors with heart rate. We talked about the caffeine and stuff like that and how tired you are. But, you know, you can do a good job on the road with heart rate. Okay, yeah. um, and uh, and if you, you'll know if you want a power meter. And there's yeah. also there's no point in training with a power meter if you're not prepared to test and test regularly. Testing's horrible. Yeah, you and I both test. know that. Yeah. 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 So there's ramp loads test. of different FTP tests. You, uh, Zwift and Trainer Road both got a ramp test on them. Yeah. And if you train with either of those devices, then it's worth doing a ramp test. Yeah. If you're not as experienced, if you're more experienced, do the two, eight minutes or the 20 minute test. Um, but they will give you an FTP figure, and actually, the, the Zwift and um, Trainer Road zones will just be spat out of that FTP figure and it will work it all out yeah. for you. If um, you're keen to learn more about it yourself there's a couple of books okay. that I brought down um, that is that's quite an easy easy read that one um, I've
0: put links to these down below if yeah. you want to check them out on Amazon so um, the power meter handbook I guess I mean they are tools I need to know how to use that tool yeah yeah very much so I mean um, it's easy to get a power meter you get a number and think oh that number's going up and down mm. But you need to know how to use that data yeah, properly yeah. don't you it,
1: it, the power of reading means nothing yeah. out of context okay Um, and you need to put it in context for yourself with your own FTP test and that's only relevant to you Um, and it's only relevant to you on that device in the setup that you've got it and I always say to people train and train test and train or test as you want to train if you test and train on different devices you need different you might need different FTPs I mean my FTP on the road with the uh cranks that I've got might be different to my FTP on the turbo trainer. Okay, yeah, different. M- not much. Yeah. yeah, I mean they are getting better. Power meters are getting better and they're more accurate. So that's an easily easy palatable one to get into it if you if you're interested in learning about it. And then and then that's the super geeky one. That's the power meter training Bible. Okay. Basically okay. Yeah, I think this is version two and I think there is a, a more updated version. Um, but I keep this one because it's full of my I see. <laughs> it's full of my shopping list actually. It's full of my, <laughs> my
0: notes. it's full of my notes.
1: Yeah, I so see that. that
0: being well used as well. Lots of uh, so yeah, training and racing with a power meter. Put a link to that down below as well. Mm. So that's a pretty hefty book. Yeah. So you go buy a power meter and buy a book. So it's quite meters, it's no. quite technical that one. Yeah,
1: I would if you if you're just getting into it, I'd go for that one first, and then that will give you the a broad understanding, which that one can then refine. Okay.
0: Let us know down below if you want to more in-depth video on uh, training with power with Dan, we can do that in the future. Because yeah. clearly a lot to get into. I mean, look at that book. A, a topic in itself, really. Yeah. So a power meter, if you're really committed to getting like, that last yeah. percentage point of performance, heart rate not to be underestimated. How about riding with Phil, not using any data at all, and just ride with Phil and perceived effort? Is that? Can you
1: use that? Yeah, it's still got its place. Okay, yeah. It's still got its place. If, I mean, if you're, doing intervals or efforts where you can barely talk, but you can sustain it and barely talk. Well yeah. that's a good training zone. That's yeah. a that's a sort of rate of perceived effort of okay, yeah. you know of a physiological stage in your training that uh, in your um in the in the intensity that is useful for your training okay. but it's not going to exhaust you. Okay. It's kinda like tempo sweet spot. But okay. um I still do all my racing on field. Really? Yeah I don't race I haven't raced cross or time trial or road with a power meter for well I've never done it is exactly, that you know your body really well or yeah, do you try and remove a distraction no, there, when you're there's racing? There's two elements, yeah. It's a distract, for me, it's a distraction. I know loads of people who can't race without a power yeah. metre and sometimes it can be a help and sometimes it can be a hindrance. Sometimes you can say, I should be producing this and many watts for this time trial and I can't do that, um, so something's wrong. And then, you know, so much cycling is in the head, isn't it? Yeah. And if you've got that little niggling and this isn't quite right, then... Then you can, your performance can just taper, tail off, or drop off a cliff. Mm. Um, but I've done this since I was a kid, so it, it, I'm way before heart rate monitors were invented and power meters were invented. So I caught and got used to it. Um, but the critical question is, know what you want it for. So I'm not. I, I just think that you know, the power meter is a huge investment. Um, if you're going to use it properly and test and train with it, it's a good investment. But actually, if you just want to keep riding, you're better off spending the money you just spent on a power meter on decent kit so you can yeah. spend more time on the road or a winter bike so you don't trash your summer bike that's a good point um so there's different ways that you can spend your money
0: okay yeah about making the right choice based on what you want out of cycling really, correct
1: exactly that
0: i guess there's a whole new generation now who are using power all the time because they are more accessible mm-hmm. from a younger age as well and all the pros use power yeah i
1: mean actually the I don't know whether they've stopped or they're just about to stop using power meters. Have they? In racing. In oh, racing, okay, yeah. They're trying to make the racing more interesting. I might be wrong by, about by that. By taking away their data. Yeah. What, but What would Chris Vroom D? Mm. <laughs> but I think too, the smart trainers have introduced power to a lot more people as well. Because, yeah. you, you know, you see it all the time now on, yeah. the, on the screen when you're drifting or trainer eroding or whatever. Mm. It's all good stuff.
0: Okay.
1: I think when we whilst we're still talking about um, power meters and hardware monitors, uh, something that I think it's probably been around for a little while, but the advances in wearable tech have meant that it's more accessible to more people. It's heart rate variability. Uh, really, really worth looking, Googling heart rate variability. You give yourself an understanding of what it is. I'll give you a kind of overview now, but I think that um, it's something that a lot of new Garmin's can, can do, uh, as in Garmin watches, and okay. maybe the head units as well, but this one doesn't, this is like a wind-up one. It's really old um, but what heart rate variability is is aside from your heart rate heart rate variability looks at the distance between each individual heart heartbeat okay all right so um, and they they vary microscopically and it used to be like you needed an ECG to 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 do these things but now even the optical sensors on the back of these watches and uh, the heart rate straps are accurate enough to analyze that sort of information. There's loads of apps you can get for your phone that if you've got a Bluetooth-enabled heart monitor will look, will record and analyze your heart rate variability. Okay, so what does it mean? When you are healthy and fit to train, the gaps between your heartbeats fluctuate. And the reason they fluctuate is there's, you, your body's governed by two nervous systems. Uh, Uh, sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system so there's two things the fight or flight or rest and digest they are two different things and when you are in a good state both of those systems are in balance and what that balance actually leads to is more fluctuation between your heartbeats so a high heart rate variability and that's good it means you're good to train and what an app on your phone will do is look at those intervals between the heartbeats and say green good to train amber okay to train red definitely have a rest okay and actually one of the reasons i've been thinking about this is because in terms of people who just want to ride their bike and maybe want to do the festive 100 that sort of thing something that can look at heart rate variability might well say to you you know today you just need to take a rest day so rather than plowing on through and saying you know it's only a couple of hours It's still a couple of hours out in the cold and wet Mm. and it's still stress. What is also really interesting about heart rate variability is, I mean, we know about training stress on the bike. We can work that out from a number of different ways. If you've got a power meter, it's just going to give you a number of training stress, you can see it. Um, What heart rate variability takes into account is training stress from everything else in your life. Okay. So if you're not sleeping well, if you're stressed with work, if you've... Um, had too much booze, you've had too much rich food, all sorts yeah. of things, all sorts of weird stuff that will put your body under a, a bit of stress. It, will, it Your heart rate variability, your heart rate takes this into account, these sort of relative contributions of all these different stressors that you might find in your life. So it could be that you've not trained hard, but you've had a terrible day at work, and that increases That sort of, um, makes a sympathetic uh, um, nervous system dominant pulls your heart rate or heart rate to one side. Effectively, it kind of if one's more dominant, then your heart variability decreases. And if you've had a stressful day at work, it will show. And that can then you can then make an, a good assessment to whether you should be riding your bike. And you might say to me, "Well, okay, if you've had a stressful day at work, th- what you want to do is go out on your bike." But actually, that's the time to you know if your body's not ready for it, you can possibly do damage to it. And you can put yourself into like a training stress holder. It's really hard to get out of. Um, I think it's really interesting technology. Um, it's a really interesting development. I haven't started using it myself yet. I will. Um, I think it's it's something that is is good to understand about the way our bodies work. So you know when we talk about what what tech to buy, power meter if you want to race, heart monitor if you just want to, or if you want to train, but. If you want to just make sure that you're not overdoing it, you want to just keep riding your bike and make sure that it's not going to do anything detrimental to you. Maybe you start to look at a heart rate variability device. They're not particularly expensive and you might find that you've got, you might find if you've got a modern Garmin, you've got everything you need already to get going with it. So there's no outlay.
0: I'll it's not really a technology I'm aware of, but it sounds those traffic-like uh, system seems pretty yeah. really good. Like it just tells you really easily if you're, you know, if you're able to train or you're,
1: well, you should train. Yeah,
0: mm. and I, I've been trying to buy a house recently, and I find it really stressful. But sort of measuring stress is really difficult. And mm-hmm. I've found a few bike rides I've done recently, I've felt really rubbish. And trying to find out the cause of that. Yeah, and probably the stress of buying a house. But they, the stress doesn't it doesn't manifest itself in an obvious way sometimes. Mm. Like signs aren't always that clear, are they? No, exactly. But a system that does tell you red, green, amber mm. sounds like a really yeah. easy way of yeah. using that heart rate data.
1: You know, if you think it might be interesting to you, Google heart rate variability okay, yeah. and it will give a whole raft of information and probably try and convince you to spend some money on stuff. But <laughs> it, it might well be that you don't need to. And okay. if you do, it's not a massive outlay anyway.
0: Okay, well let us know down below if you have heard of a uh, heart rate variability if you're using it, what your experience is.
1: I'd be really interested to know if people are using it Yeah. yeah and what experiences they've had and whether it's, it's, it gives a true measure. And I've got a couple of clients who use it and they, they okay. say, yeah, it's, it gives a true measure of, how they, the question you've got to ask yourself is, if you have an amber and it says you're gonna have a bad day, do you have a bad day because it says amber? Okay. Or do you know what I mean? So yeah. sometimes it can be like, cart before the horse, but um,
0: yeah, it'd be really interesting. Think. I think it's something we both need to try, isn't it? Yeah, I think For so. a future video, maybe, mm. to watch your space. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another really good question we had on the previous video about the off season was about e-bikes. Now e-bikes are very popular right now. Lots of people are buying e-bikes. My parents have e-bikes, it's been amazing for them but can you use an e-bike to improve your fitness in a way a normal bicycle can,
1: or are you cheating yourself? Oh. Uh, I absolutely love e-bikes. Okay. I think they're fantastic. I really genuinely do. Um, and can you use them to improve your fitness? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're back to why you ride a bike. To get outside, to see yeah. different things, and to go and, you know, and, and if, if you need an e-bike to do that, an e-bike to do that i mean they are expensive that's the only downside um i have a particular sort of case study on this uh i used to mountain bike a lot with a when i was at school with a guy and um he when we left school i kind of parted ways and he he got a really busy job busy with his family stopped riding and um, he was keen to get back into it and he thought that he was never going to be able to ride with me again you know, until he'd done loads of training and got really fit, and I said to him, you know, you really ought to look at an e-bike. He said, e-bike's cheating, isn't it? No, not cheating. You need to try one, it's not cheating in the slightest. And I think he tried one. We've been for loads of rides together. He's had it for about nine nine, nine to 12 months now. But he has, over that time, reduced the level of assist. So he now basically uses virtually no assist from when he started out using max assist almost. so with no assist, he's doing longer rides. And this yeah. is all off-road, by the way. This yeah. is a mountain bike. And, you know, where you and I mountain a bike, um, it's super hilly, isn't it? Really yeah. steep climbs. And I go out with him around there, and he absolutely thrashes me. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, he's, he's lost loads of weight. He feels better. He looks better. Everything's going right for him with, with in, just because he bought this, this bike. And, and he's going riding with his mate from school who he's not ridden with for, you know, however many years it is. I forget. Um... So what's not to like about that? Uh, and actually, he's got to the point now where he has got so much fitter on his bike, he's considering buying a regular bike. Oh, cool. So I don't know how many cases there are where people have bought an e-bike to get back into it and then look to buy, what yeah. do you a standard bike? Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah. yeah a non-e-bike, assisted, <laughs> non-e-bike yes. bike. But yeah, I think they're just amazing.
0: So it's easing back into cycling in a way that if he hadn't had an e-bike, he would have done loads of training to get to the point where he can keep up with you, because I know you are fast. So it, it's given a, it would, you know, a, a leg up almost, and I'm, now he's getting to the point where he's considering a normal bike, he's got so much yeah. fitter from riding an e-bike. I guess using an e-bike is back to the point of not worrying about data and just riding. Just ride it. your bike. Enjoyment of riding a bike. And yeah. An e-bike, if that gives you the ability to get out riding when you might not, it's mm. a good thing. Yeah, I think they're brilliant. And if it gets more people on bikes, yeah. it's a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing. And you still have to pedal them. They're not like their most yeah, bikes.
1: I think that's the misconception, isn't it? That you can just sail along on e- e-power without putting yeah. any effort in, but yeah. that's not true. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not true. And yeah, when we first went out and, and he was on his e-bike, he was you know pouring sweat. Yeah. <laughs> he was working. Yeah. It's not like it's not a free ride. Definitely not. And that's why um, you can definitely use it to improve your fitness. I mean, I'd love an e-bike. I've not got one, but for a, a day when I don't want to be on the rivet, I still want to be able to go and do some downhilling or it's basically yeah. a free uplift, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, so e-bikes are cool.
1: Really cool. I don't know about road bikes. What do you think about road bikes?
0: I haven't tried many, to be honest. I need to try more. But I know the speed limit is an issue with uh, yeah. e-bikes for people who can ride at, you know, a decent lick. Mm. But for mountain biking, I mean, the road you, you rarely go that fast on a mountain bike, do you? Well, no,
1: well, downhill you do, but it doesn't matter yeah. then, does My it?
0: average speed on a mountain bike is like 10k an hour. Yeah, it's exactly. slow. Usually mud and stuff. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: so in light of not having tried them on the on the road, I think that my experience in mountain bikes i mean i've tried his bike it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing i love it um and uh, yeah i think they're just fantastic I, I you see them in the alps all the time yeah. these, these guys who they've ridden all their lives and they just need a little bit extra to yeah. get up the you know 20k climb
0: i suppose the winter is a good time to use an e-bike because it's more challenging out there like if you're riding off-road it's really slow it get boggy and muddy especially here in the uk and if you're riding on the road a lot more wind and rain, yeah. bad road conditions, so an e-bike helps you ride through the winter and then you get to spring, you get back to your normal bike, Maybe, but you yeah. retain that fitness in a way that, you no, know, it's a very different uh, approach to using an indoor trainer, as power mm. meters and intervals, isn't it? So, but it's not a bad approach, it's just a different way of doing different. it. Different,
1: yeah. It gets yeah. you out, that's great. Yeah. Okay,
0: so we covered quite a few topics there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're down having mince pie. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go off and eat the rest of these mince pies. Um, maybe we'll catch up again in the new year, I see how all you festive 500s have got on. Hopefully successfully. And, um, are you going to give it a crack this year? No. No, not at all. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> but I try and ride my bike as much as I can when it's, uh, yeah. it's nice outside. But I hope you all have a great Christmas. And um, from me and from Dan, thanks for watching. we will see you all again very soon.